You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, and Jamie Eisner, and we have a lot to get into today. We're going to recap Monday Night Football. We almost got what we wished for, uh, an Eli Manning victory. So close, uh, but man, it was fun to watch the internet react to that game, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about uh, another Patriots video scandal. Amazing that that team is involved in yet Sorry, another what, scandal. What year is this? Eli Manning throwing touchdowns, <laughs> Patriots recording opponent sidelines? Like, uh, it's so good. What it, year is this? Yeah, we're, we're in 2019, but it doesn't feel like it with all those storylines. We got some waiver wire wide receivers to get into. Uh, say all those W's fast. Super Bowl odds, best bets, and Thursday night football. Uh, a real doozy on Thursday night football. Uh, can't wait to watch what Lamar Jackson has in store for, for the New York Jets. So let's start off with Monday night football. It was a first half of enjoyment um, watching Eli Manning just put up some – He, I have to read you guys this, okay? So Eli Manning – and this was after the end of halftime, right? Keep in mind. Eli Manning outscored Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray in fantasy football. Uh, Had a good week. Um, Almost got the victory for his team. Really, really close. Did Obviously fell short. Uh, Jake, I'll go to you on this. Obviously, the Giants are not going anywhere. But what did you learn from the Philadelphia Eagles in the fact that they needed to go to overtime against this Giants team to get a victory at home? Let me start with Money Manning should be playing over Danny Dimes. I love it. No, not really. But it was awesome to watch. None of us had the balls to say. I was like, does Eli have a swan song on Monday night left in him with the Manning family in the box? And I'm sitting there kind of watching it. I'm at dinner with some friends, and it's like on a small TV. And every time I look up, Darius Slayton's going for a touchdown or something. I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening right now? And James Betcher's dialing it up. I, they have enough pieces on that defense to stop one or the other. What does it say about Philly? It says that Carson Wentz is a damn good player who's an elite quarterback with zero weapons. His best offensive lineman that broke the bank gets hurt, is carted off after Alshon Jeffries carted off, and Carson Wentz is still healthy, and Zach Ertz is still healthy, and it was enough to get it done. Uh, they're down 17 nothing and come back and win. Showed me a lot that they, they're, they're fighting. They're not giving up. But they just don't have anything left. I mean, stop with the Carson Wentz's and good crap. He's elite. He has zero, less than zero to work with. I mean, at one point, a dude off the practice squad looks like a pro bowler in Boston Scott. Yeah, and, and going forward, like, the Eagles have legitimately one healthy wide receiver right now, and that's Greg yeah. Ward. Uh, look, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's going to play this Greg week. Ward was a quarterback in college, by the way. I, I know this yeah. is not ideal. I wouldn't even say he's a healthy receiver. He's still learning what the hell he's doing. 
Well, he's not. Uh, he's not on the injury report. Let's put it that way. He's yeah, like, exactly. He can actually go out and run. They don't have their forty-year-old backup quarterback running routes like they thought they were going to have to during the game. No, they. Uh, but our single white side is banged up. He's not going to play. Jeffrey's now out for the year. Uh, it's it's bad. I mean, it is bad. That Aguilar may or may not be back this week. But but in in this game in particular. This was probably the best result the Giants could have asked for. Uh, you gave Eli Manning a little bit of a swan song, which, again, he might play next week. I know we keep saying that this is acting like this is the last game Eli Manning's going to play, like Daniel Jones isn't still hurt. Um, but you got a good performance from him. We saw them have a connection with Darius Slayton. But you still end up losing the game and you're going to get a better pick. So if you're a Giants fan, this is the best case scenario for you here. Eagles did enough to get the job done, but you don't feel very confident in this team overall at the moment. Like they just seem like they're, I mean, look, a win's a win and somebody has to win this division and lose to the Seahawks in the first round. But I don't feel really great about with this team and I don't see them getting better. I mean, maybe Jordan Howard comes back before the postseason. He's still not cleared for contact, but you're not getting Jeffrey back. You're not getting Deshaun Jackson back. Where is this going to go? At some point teams, good teams just going to be like, Throw it to anybody but Zach Ertz, and we'll take a chance that you can't run it on us. You can't throw it on us. Your offensive line's hurt. Like, there's a point where you just run out of guys for Carson Wentz yeah. to throw to, and that's going to be a problem for them. And we'll see. Week 16 is going to be that big matchup with them and the Cowboys trying to figure out who's going to win that sorry division. But uh, I, this didn't inspire a lot of confidence if I was an Eagles fan. You're happy if you're a Wentz owner. Like, I, I was somebody that I already had my matchup locked up, humble brag, but. I had Wentz and Ertz, and that last play was a made a huge difference for a lot of you that had that combination out there in, in fantasy purposes. And Wentz is probably another solid play. I'm playing him over Matt Ryan again this week. But from a real football standpoint, I don't feel that much better about the Eagles than I did before. I mean, they, they couldn't have lost. You can't lose that game, and they didn't. But I don't feel any better about them. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know how you feel better. I mean, they, they came back and won. It, it showed me exactly what I thought Carson Wentz was. But other than that, that was – that's all I got out of that game. Yeah. I mean, the reality is this team has gotten to a point where they have so many injuries. And it doesn't matter how good you are. When you've sustained the injuries that they've sustained throughout this season, and and they're going to claw their way potentially into a postseason spot, it's going to be to play one more week of football. I mean, that's what it is. I know things can get weird, but this team is not – inspiring any confidence that especially at home right where they can barely I mean need overtime to beat a a also banged up New York Giants team a also Eli Manning who hasn't seen a football in eight weeks Eli man I mean there's an aspect of I look at this team and I go yeah you got a victory but like I just don't have any confidence in you and on top of that they lost two significant pieces during this game in Alshon Jeffrey and Lane Johnson so it's just I don't think this is going to be a team that we're going to have to worry about they're going to be they should be looking forward to next year and and what they can do to bolster this team and honestly to add weapons for Carson Wentz because they just don't have enough even when all all the way healthy they don't have enough weapons. No, I mean, they might in best-case scenario. Like, I still think Deshaun Jackson's got some juice left when healthy. If you have Jeffrey and Jackson and Ertz and Goddard and you have a healthy Howard and another year Miles Sanders, you have enough pieces there that you could probably get by. But, you know, like we mentioned earlier, the issue here and why you say basically you're playing to play one more game is those guys aren't coming back. No. Like, it's not like, okay, our whole team's hurt, but we're going to get healthy right around week 17. And, you know, we're going to – if we're rolling and maybe we're on a four-game winning streak going into the postseason, they don't have that. Like, that's not what we're dealing with here. They're still going to have these same exact problems they've had all season when they get to the postseason. They're just going to have a home game. Uh, But I want to ask you guys one more thing before we get off this game. 
What are your thoughts about Saquon Barkley? Just had an okay game here. 66 – I mean, you're not going to run on the Eagles. The Eagles have a strong run defense. So the 66 yards on 17 carries isn't a surprise to me. Only caught three passes, though, for one total yard. Are you feeling any better or worse? Do you think he's still an RB1 next week against Miami? What are your thoughts as a Saquon Barkley owner, Paige? And then, Jake, what are your thoughts overall from looking from the outside? Yeah, I've, I've just um, gotten myself to the point where I expect him to be – what is like a flex position now. That's where honestly I put, I pushed him into a flex spot. Like that's so mentally, like honestly, so mentally I know, like I can't look at the name value and go, yeah, it's Saquon Barkley. He's my number one overall pick. And he's not, he hasn't ever put up those numbers that justify that number one overall pick. And some of it, obviously with the injuries, other part of it, the offense, his involvement, what they use him for, but I saw, I mean, on social media, people were losing their minds. Saquon Barkley owners, like, why is he not getting the ball more? Why is he not getting the ball more? And I don't have an answer for that question. I can't tell you. I don't know how injured he is. I don't know if that's factoring in. But it's concerning going into the next couple of weeks. And honestly, I'm concerned about what, what it's going to look like next year. I need, I need to see more. And I thought I was going to see it. And I can't. When we're talking about what we've seen from Christian McCaffrey versus Saquon Barkley, you're talking about different quarterback changes Bad Carolina has been a bad team for a couple of weeks and it doesn't matter. Christian McCaffrey has been matchup proof for the most part, with the exception of one bad game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the early on in the season. Saquon Barkley, you can't say the same. So as a Saquon Barkley owner, I've just, I've gotten myself. It's been a long time. I put him in a flex spot and said, yeah, you're not a, you're not a running back one anymore. That's where I am with Saquon. I mean, I can answer a little bit of it. Eli didn't hit him. He missed him a few times on some targets where he had a bunch of room in front of him. Uh, one really early in the game. They had that chemistry last year. Eli didn't want to get hit, and he just dumped it off, and that was not the case. You add that Carolina has a better offensive line, that Saquon's hurt, and you have an offensive coordinator in Carolina that's making a concerted effort to get McCaffrey 10 targets a game, which should be the case with Saquon, but it's not. That's the reason why it's not happening, all those things together. This week, I kind of agree with you. I think running back two, Flex, Shelby has him, and she's in the semifinals against a good friend of ours. And, and he's projected for like 26 points. And I'm like, you can't, there's no way you could, yeah, there's no way we could take that, even in a full point PPR league. Um, so, I, yeah, I think running back two, flex, I think 20 points is his ceiling at this point. If he gets 10 targets and he gets seven catches on those, the Dolphins are going to help. They're playing really hard, but they're still giving up a lot. And Golden Tate scares me moving forward. He had like nothing with Eli if Eli has to play again this week. Yeah, that would concern me as well. Uh, look, on, on Saquon's side of things, you know, for this week, I'm probably he's going to be right around that RB12 spot for me because you start to look at some of the other guys after that. Like, do, am I that much more confident in, like, the Melvin Gordons of the world or the Miles Sanders? Is like, it, it's, it gets real rough after about the for first sure. 10 running backs. But it, it is interesting looking back now. At the, there was the clear cut Elite Four uh, of running backs at the beginning of the year. And obviously McCaffrey has lived up to the hype. He's going to be the number one fantasy player. Uh, even Ezekiel Elliott, he's he's right now in a points per game as an RB6. So he's that's – when you took him, you're getting that value from him. Uh, surprisingly enough, both Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley are outside the top 12 right now. And and if we got to mid-December, you would have told me both those guys. Were, this is points per game. So this, this is not – this is even yeah. factors – this is taking out the injuries these guys missed. It's just games that they have played. They have neither one of them has been an RB one so far this year. I'd be a, I would would have been really surprised by that. And odds are both those guys will not be in the top ten running backs at the end of the season, which is not what I expect. 
And even if we had, because if you guys recall, when we were talking about this and we were arguing who would be number one overall, a lot, all of us were like, listen, if Zeke, if all the contract stuff wasn't happening, Zeke would be in that conversation. So although he ends up at that sixth spot and because of the contract stuff, he did fall in a lot of drafts, he's been a little bit of a disappointment as well. Like Christian McCaffrey has been the guy and then there's been everybody else really. And Alvin Kamara specifically is another guy that I thought, there's no way. And and Saquon, there's no way. But we're learning that, that there, nobody is just foolproof. Even in good offenses on good teams, you're talking about two completely different scenarios in New Orleans and in, and in New York. And both scenarios have not been good from a fantasy perspective. You're talking about two similar injuries and guys playing through them, though. And if you're talking about an 80 to 85% type of guy, coaches are going to go, I'm going to take the workload away. I'm not throwing as many of these little dink and dunk slants that you think Camaro would be doing and and Saquon as well McCaffrey's been healthy he's had a couple shoulder issues but his legs have been fine and both those guys dealing with the similar stuff is enough to take 20 percent of their volume away and their production away which takes them out of the top 10 and puts them where they are I think those two things alone are the two of the big biggest contributing factors of why they're not putting up the numbers we all expected them to could not agree more. I mean, it does. It's absolutely a factor, and you see that you've seen it, especially in the way both of Kamara and Barkley have played. But while I still have this up, and then we'll get off this topic, I just want to give you the top ten running backs right now, just so you guys know. Uh, so average points per game in half PPR leagues. Number one is Christian McCaffrey, not a shocker. Number two, Dalvin Cook, not a shocker. Number three, Derrick Henry, who's having a, another a really nice season. We talked about that switch flipping for him in the middle of last year. Number four, Aaron Jones. Number five, Austin Eckler, who has continued to put up numbers even wow. with Melvin Gordon. Uh, and he's a guy that is a low – it's him and Saquon Barkley are my debate right now at that like RB12 spot for this coming week. I really like him. Elliott, number six. Nick Chubb at number seven. Leonard Fournette, number eight. Mark Ingram, number nine. And Josh Jacobs, number 10. And we've there's a good chance we've seen the last game from Josh Jacobs this year, but we'll see. He looks like he might be on track to play this week, but that's the top 10 right now. And there's a – 11.7 point difference per game between Christian McCaffrey and the number 10 running back right That's now. That's insane. That, that, per game. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey put himself in a in a RB1 spot and said everybody else can take a backseat. That's almost, what's happened this almost year. Almost six points per game difference in a half PPR from McCaffrey to Dalvin Cook at number two. Wow. Like that's how that's how big of a deal Christian McCaffrey has been this year. Yeah. Not that you need any more confirmation of that. He's <laughs> yeah. been watching football. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. Um at, at certain points of the season was in the MVP conversation for what he was doing and what he was able to help his team with. Uh we're gonna transition into uh what year is it again? The Patriots are in a uh video scandal once again. They are producing a video series through their social video department, went to Cincinnati a week early. Uh, supposedly captured some things that they weren't supposed to capture. We've gotten the standard Bill Belichick-esque answers when when they've talked about this. But guys, listen, The uh, what I hear on social media, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but when I see social media with, with Boston specifically and their fans, right, they have this agenda of, or they think that there is an agenda that is anti-Patriots, where the rest of the NFL is kind of in this category of like, the NFL does everything it can to help the Patriots, right? Like the refereeing and all that stuff. It was it it started then on 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 Sunday against the Chiefs, where you saw a lot of the Boston. You saw Boston. Yeah, they, got, they got a bad call for a change. They got, yeah, they join got, the rest of us. Yeah, they got a bad call, and and the rest of the NFL was tap dancing on them, right? They were so happy to see it, where they're complaining that there is a agenda against them. 
and it's it's just an interesting dynamic to watch that part of social go crazy that everybody there's a conspiracy for the patriots and there there's a conspiracy against the patriots no the patriots just do stuff like this and they continue to do stuff like this and i'm just interested to hear your feedback jake because listen this has been what four or five different things during this regime with Brady and Belichick where they're getting in trouble for doing too much. Right. And it's at a certain point, it's like, you know, can you guys can you cut it out? Like you, like, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so over them and all their, their BS. And that's, I'm just interested to hear what you have to say. The Patriots cheat period. <laughs> They've been busted so many times. It's ridiculous. This is the exact same thing as Spygate one, the same dudes, the same crew, the same, Robert Kraft Productions, the same excuses, the same try to erase the fit, the footage, no hold, no harm, no foul. It is exactly the same thing. The problem I have with it is the NFL doesn't do shit. So if that's the case, every damn team that's advanced scouting ought to be doing this. Apparently there's a dude in the Patriots building that gets the tapes back from the footage of the bullshit show that they're shooting, sits in his office all week with the door closed, and goes through all the signals of the coaches that they're going to play. That's cheating. Period. End of story. Like, there's nothing. But the NFL does nothing. Apparently, Robert Kraft goes, I don't give a damn if we get a half a million dollar fine. Hell, Bill might not even tell him. He might pay it out of his own pocket. He might have a fund for it. Who knows? But they obviously don't care if they get caught. This was such an F you to everybody else. They did the exact same thing with the same excuses. It wasn't even like a new try to cheat. It was the exact same thing. I don't care what year we are. They're not going to change. So why isn't everybody else doing it? Everybody advance scouts. Everybody sends somebody to a game. The rest of them apparently have a moral compass. That's the only thing I can think of. Because if the NFL is not going to do anything other than slap them on the wrist, why doesn't everybody do it? I, I, I'm with you. Like, this is, again, <laughs> the Patriots are so far beyond getting any benefit of the doubt on anything. And the fact that literally, uh, it's almost like Jake said, word for word, the exact same excuses. The guys, like, reportedly say, oh, can we just delete this and forget this ever happened? I mean, this is literally almost word for word for what the Spygate stuff was. And it's just it's just ridiculous at this point. It really is. And, but like Jake said, nothing ever really happens to them. I mean, they get you know what's crazy, Jamie? I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm going to go to the ball thing, right? Deflate Gate, they got crushed. They actually had stuff happen, and that's something that everybody in the NFL does. Everybody. Who the hell gives a shit if the ball is a half a pound too inflated? That doesn't affect a damn thing. Quarterbacks will go through 100 balls a week and pick out 12 that go in a bag for a game. That doesn't mean shit to affect a football game. Cheating with the other team's signals by videoing them? And you only get fined? That's cheating. That affects the game. Like The NFL always screws this up. I don't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to throw Deflategate out there because that's another one. But that's one they actually got penalized for with a draft pick, but it was like nothing. That one doesn't even matter. Yeah, that, that one was the equivalent. They got him on tax evasion. Like, they're like, okay, we, yeah. we, we messed up along the line and we need to find something to make this even. Yeah, I, I, I never, like, I, I was, I remember, I can remember exactly where I was sitting where Deflategate started to become a thing. I was sitting in the uh, Arizona Sports ESPN offices when somebody brought up the, oh, the, you know, this, this, the deflated football stuff, which never mattered. But this obviously does, but they're not going to do anything about it. The way that it's so, so open and people are just almost laughing about it now. It's, it's become, it's become so blatantly pathetic at this point. I don't even think people are shocked anymore. Like, and then just because they're not shocked, they don't expect the NFL to really do much about it. 
You know what my favorite part of this whole thing is? They're playing the one-and-whatever Bengals. Thank you. The Patriots have come so far in a panic of what's going on that this is happening the week they play the flipping Bengals. And to me, that's just the coincidence because that that tells me – it's not that they're worried about the Bengals. That tells me they're doing it every single freaking week regardless. absolutely they're doing it every week. It's just that – that's the funny part is like that it comes out playing the Bengals. That you're still doing it, you get caught playing the Bengals. This was my favorite part of the whole story, right? Is like the week that they get caught is the week that it's like y'all really have fallen so far that you need to be cheating to take care of the freaking Cincinnati Bengals? Like – Oh my God, Patriots! What is going on? Like they don't have an archive on Zach Taylor's hand motions, so they had to go get some footage to figure out what the Bengals are going to do. Come on, man! I mean, it's it if it if it takes cheating to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, Patriots, I'm worried. I'm worried about you because that you shouldn't you shouldn't need to cheat to take care of the Cincinnati team. And good God, I will be the biggest Bengals fan as they play them because it's it's. This is just quintessent. Like, it, it happens all the time. It's the same excuses. I'm tired of the Boston media and fan base that rally around themselves and go, everybody's against us. No, you do this to yourselves. Nobody did this to you. You did it to yourselves. Your coach, your quarterback, your owner, you all are cheating. And Robert Kraft's storyline that has not come back into into existence this year, like you're, you got massage parlor bullshit going on too. Like, can you guys not ever be in the storylines for like five minutes? This team, like, this team can't stay away from camera controversies apparently. <laughs> Like this is, I wanted to. I would figure that. that you set me up. Yeah, for? I was setting up a tee for for Jamie to tee off on on the Patriots. But uh, the reality is, this team, this organization, there's always going to be BS. There is. There is always going to be something that happens. And Patriots fans, you should just shut the hell up because you're lucky that you guys get away with it. Honestly, you're cheating. You are cheating. That is what is happening. And you can listen to Bill Belichick and and Robert Kraft and all you want. This is the same crap you were doing before. And you guys are cheating to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Just digest that for a second. I want that's the sentence I want you to take home, Boston media. You need to cheat to take care of the Cincinnati Bengals. That's it. That's all. That, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave this topic on that one. Uh, and we're gonna move on to four. I, I got five wide receivers. Four wide receivers on the waiver wires because of the laundry list of injuries that exist going into this. Week two of the fantasy postseason, some week one of the fantasy postseason. Yeah, so Mike Evans out, Alshon Jeffrey out, uh, Devontae Parker looks like he's going to be out, yep. um, DJ Chark looks like he's going to be out. So these, these are big names you've been relying on the last few weeks that are just not going to be options for you. Yeah, lots Calvin of Ridley out. Ridley, yes. Yep, Calvin Ridley. T.Y. Hilton probably out. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been quite a few people up at the top. The A lot of the names you've listed have been dealing with injuries. You've obviously had Julio Jones who's had injuries all season long. It's been a rough year for wide receivers at that top spot. So I got four guys um, owned in 40% or less. Um, and, and so I'm going to go through these names, and you guys give me your yay or nay. So A.J. Brown's the first guy on the list. Jamie, your thoughts on A.J. Brown and, and confidence level to pick him up? Yeah, this will be the the number one, if he isn't already, depending on when your league does waivers. This will be the number one pickup of the week, uh, and as it should be. So I want to talk about why you should feel comfortable starting A.J. Brown literally every week going forward as your wide receiver three is that he's been pretty damn consistent. I said, here are his point totals in PPR format since Tannehill took over because they, those two have really shorter chemistry. 12.2, 9.1, 12.1. He had the bust right before the bye, the 2.7, and then 23.5, 7.5, and then 33.6 last week. 
that's good enough to be the number 24 wide receiver since week seven. And just like he has been in that typical wide receiver three range, he has the up and downs. Again, consistency week after week after week is reserved for the very top players at the position. He's been really darn good. He should be in your lineup every single week as your wide receiver three, showing you he can be more than that in certain matchups. And you know what? The the Texan secondary just got lit up by Drew Locke. Uh, So I love that matchup again this week. He should be in every single lineup this week if you're still playing. Yes, absolutely, because I had – Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, Calvin Ridley, and Devontae Parker all on one team, and I picked him up and got him somehow. Uh, so I got him or David Montgomery in a flex. I'm probably going to go with A.J. Uh, I, everything Jamie said, spot on, chemistry, matchup, all of it. Freak athlete, really, really good player. I mean, we all said coming out we loved him. We just didn't like where he ended up. Well, with Tannehill took over, we now love him as a superstar, potentially moving forward in the NFL. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. If you can get your hands on him, grab him. I, I think he's going as a top – 30 wide receiver, maybe top 25 wide receiver in drafts next year. He's yeah. going to be an interesting guy to watch that he, he screams guy that's going to get overvalued in drafts. As For much sure. as I love him, but I feel like he's going to get, he's going to be the guy that like goes stupid high and I'm just never going to get him, but take advantage now while you can get him. While you can get him. That's for sure. All right. A guy we've talked about in previous podcasts and honestly over the last three weeks, it's been coming on the chemistry between him and, and Trubisky has been good. And that is Anthony Miller. Jake, we've talked about Anthony Miller over the last couple of weeks and, and him having better weeks, specifically with Taylor Gabriel, who's been out for a little while. Um, and he's just been getting a lot of targets, and he's been in the end zone a lot, which is obviously beneficial. Is this a guy you have confidence in moving forward? Yeah, he's kind of become the secondary target. Uh, actually, he's actually out-targeting Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's caught touchdowns in like three games. But Anthony Miller's getting more targets, and I love his physical play. He's a huge volume guy in college coming out of Memphis. I mean, like, put up insane numbers, uh, catches everything, great run after the catch. So, yeah, I like it. And the Bears are going to want to run it, but they're still going to have to throw it to win games. And they're not done yet. They've got some good matchups coming forward. I don't love it this week. I mean, you can run it a lot easier on the Packers than you can throw it. But if you're desperate, or not even desperate, if you're just, you know, you're, you're needing somebody with all these injuries, then I, I like it. I mean, I think he's a guy you can plug in and look at the matchups. Yeah, he's a guy that I again. I've been the president of the Anthony Miller fan club the last few weeks on this show. I like him, but I don't love him this week. Uh, I, I just think he he's right now my wide receiver thirty nine. So there are some scenarios in deeper leagues and three wide receiver leagues where you're playing him. But to me, he's behind. He's just this is not a good matchup for him. The Packers actually do pretty well against fantasy receivers overall, but particularly slot guys. So I'm worried that he might not get the same sort of sort of volume that we've seen. Obviously, he had a good game in the last few weeks, but. Last week needed the touchdown to kind of save his fantasy day. Someone that should be added should be on your bench. This is probably not the week for me. Uh, I'll throw out some other names. I don't know if they're on your list yet because we didn't go over it in the pre-show. But uh, guys that I would like a little bit higher than him this week in my rankings, if you can get them. Um, you know, Mike, Mike Williams, not available in a lot of leagues, but it's been benched in a lot of leagues. He's somebody I would play over him. Uh, Brashad Perryman is somebody I really like. We'll talk about my, next. next That's life. a decision I literally had to make this week in, in the semifinals. Brashad Perryman or Anthony Miller. And I've gone back and forth, but I think I'm going to go Perryman there. Um, Scary Terry, I'm not afraid to play him this week. And then he's really close to me. Like I have these three guys, Chris Conley, Alan Hearns, Anthony Miller, all right in that same spot where could be if you're, if you're wide receiver needy, but this might not be the week that I say start start Miller with confidence like I did the last two weeks. So, Jake, since uh, Jamie already alluded to it, he's on my list, Rashad Perriman, and obviously you have Mike Evans on your fantasy team, so this might be a guy you went out and got, slash you've kind of been the, the – you've been waiting for this version of Perriman to come along. Uh, is this a guy you feel confident for in going into the fantasy postseason? 
Yeah, I really do. I, I, mean, I got Brown, so I didn't have to go there um, in the one league. In our TDN league, I, I had made a couple moves. I got Washington and I got Mostart, uh, which I feel a little bit more comfortable because I don't have to be as risky. I think Perriman's either going to be boom or bust, but he gets a lot of targets when Mike Evans is on the field. Uh, Justin Watson played good last week and Evans stay, so Perriman's really still playing the same position, but he kind of becomes the number two option. With O.J. Howard playing better the last couple weeks, I think – it, organically, whoever's open is going to get the ball, which means Perriman's going to have six or eight targets. They should run it a little bit better against Detroit, and they should make a little bit more of an effort to do that this week. But I still think he gets six to eight targets, which makes him very playable, uh, as desperate as a lot of people are. So on, that, that number is key. I have a fun stat for you. So for Bashad Perryman this year, who I think is, I think six targets is his floor in this game. Uh, in four games this season with five or more targets, He's averaging 11.7 fantasy points per game in those contests. And he has three such uh, since week nine, and he's averaging 14.6 fantasy points in PPR per game when he gets at least five targets. So I think that's kind of the baseline you're looking for here. I think he's a fairly reliable wide receiver three for you. Uh, I think he – again, look, you can run on the Lions, but the Buccaneers are still going to throw it a ton. Perriman's going to get his opportunities. He's not going to be covered by – he's not going to get slay very much at all in this game. His uh, confidence really is growing by leaps and bounds, too. Like he yeah. is finally what I thought would happen early on because he had a great offseason, a great training camp. Took a little while for the confidence and the role to really establish, but Jameis has gone to him a ton regardless. And yeah. now I think his his confidence is growing in him as Brashad's goes up as well. All of that plays in exactly what you're talking about and, and makes it that much of an easier decision to play him. Confidence, opportunity, and if Scotty Miller can play this week, I think Justin Watson and Scotty Miller might steal targets from each other. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to steal it away from Rashad Perriman. So okay. that's a great point. Uh, the last guy on my list is Cole Beasley. Uh, Jamie, I snuck a look at your uh, SI column that you had up about Cole Beasley and and him being a target for this week. Your thoughts, obviously, since he's in your column, I assume you feel confident in him. Yeah, he's a guy that's been Mr. Reliable lately, but been a lot better than that. He's got a touchdown in three straight games, six of eight. He's the only Buffalo wide receiver I want right now. Like, I, I, great, great season John Brown had. It's been a high-flow guy for a lot of guys, not playing him the rest of the year. Uh, the Steelers matchup against slot receivers isn't one to really run away from necessarily because they just allowed 8-85 to 85 to Christian Kirk. They allowed 5-101 to Tyler Boyd three weeks ago. Like, so they have been vulnerable in that spot. They've been better against the outside wide receivers for the most part this year. He's a borderline wide receiver three for me. He's been getting about 7.7 targets a game over the last three games and over six per game pretty much since midseason, averaging 13.7 points since week seven. Number, number, number 29 wide receiver in PPR format. So he's been a legitimate wide receiver three option for you with a pretty high floor and has been scoring lately. If you need someone to kind of fill in in that spot, I would put him in there over a guy like Anthony Miller or putting him over a guy, some of the other guys that we just talked about. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. That's, that's, he's been, and he's scoring touchdowns. He's getting that, and they're going to have to do something to move the ball to try to stay in this game with the Steelers. I think, and he's going to be that, that guy that they're going to be in a lot of third and four, third and fives to keep a drive going, which they've done really well all year. He's the guy that gets that done. All right, guys, we've got a couple of things to get into here uh, before we preview Thursday Night Football, and that is Super Bowl odds. I went in on mybookie.ag and took a look at their the five top, the top five best Super Bowl odds to win um, as of right now. The the Super Bowl odds, the team with the best Super Bowl odds right now, plus 225 is the Baltimore Ravens. Makes uh, sense. I'm sure not a big surprise to you guys followed. Uh, behind by the San Francisco 49ers at plus 375, you have – 
the Chiefs coming in at plus 600, number three, New Orleans at plus 625, and New England at plus 650. So those are the those are the odds right now. Obviously, you put $10 down, you're winning 37.50 if the if the Niners win or, or 22.50 if the if the Baltimore Ravens win. So if, if, after you guys hear those odds, um, I'm sure a, a, not really surprising um, a lot of it, specifically after this last weekend of football games. Jake, if you were putting a wager down now on the Super Bowl, what of those wagers is most enticing to you, whether it's value or you just think the Baltimore Ravens have it locked up? Is that to go or to, that's to win the Super Bowl? That's to win the Super Bowl. Now, I don't think the Ravens have it locked up. I think some of these NFC matchups could be really interesting. Um, the Niners just sustained a bunch of injuries. I, I don't know that I like that. I mean, that's not great value being, what, second on that board? Uh, I really don't like any of them that much. I, I don't like the Patriots to get there, so I don't like that one. Um, wh- the, who the, the Saints are on there for? Yeah, the Saints are on there, and the Chiefs are the third best team at plus six. I'd probably take the Saints at at, yeah. the, at the from the four spot. Uh, I, I still think they have a really good chance overall to make it happen. Um, I don't like that San Francisco centers out for the year. That, that hurts big time, and, and I mean, I, while I like Baltimore, that's not great odds if I was going to go bet. I mean, that's not that's not, that's not a huge number, uh, so I'd, I'd probably go Baltimore and then. But I think New Orleans is probably the best bet on there. Yeah, it's interesting. I looked at these odds and I thought I knew Baltimore would be the number one, but there's quite a separation, obviously, between them and and New England, for instance, um, who feels like just the team to just take a chance on, right? Like you're the number, they're the fifth overall odds, and they're probably going to be. The number, they will be the two in the, the AFC and have to go to Baltimore. But, Jamie, if you're – maybe you're, you're most confident and then, like, the best value of the five there. I mean, I'm probably still most confident in the Ravens, even though it's not the greatest odds there. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the current – the most likely path right now is that the Patriots are going to likely have to host the Chiefs again in yeah. the second round. And the Chiefs just beat them in New England, so they could do that. Where <laughs> the Ravens are – you're going to get the Texans, you're going to get the Bills – I mean, I think they should be able to handle either one of those teams yeah. at home. And then you're going to get either New England or KC back in at home, which I think they should get. So I think their path is going to be easier. Where in the NFC, things are so weird right now. As Jake said, like with the injuries with San Francisco, right now Green Bay still has the tiebreaker over New Orleans, which only matters in the sense that it might make New Orleans have to play on wildcard weekend, which again, uh, yeah. is another extra an extra game, an extra win that you have to go against them. So, By the are- way, I don't know that San Francisco makes the playoffs. To I mean, be number to be number three on that list to win the Super Bowl, they're not locked into anything. No, but they're not. I mean, it, I, I mean, they dude, the Ra- the Rams are hot. They play them, and then they got to play San Seattle. So if this thing with these injuries bites them as much as it could, I mean, D D D Ford's out for a couple weeks. Richard Sherman's out for a couple weeks. I don't like that bet at all. As much as I like the way they're playing, and I, I'm coming around on Garoppolo, I don't love it. Yeah, but they have the Falcons at home this week. So. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty. <laughs> but sure that still doesn't win. lock them into anything. If they win, it does. If they win, they're in. Yeah, no, they don't necessarily. They're in the playoffs. They're they in don't the know, playoffs. They necessarily win the division, but yeah, if they're if they win, they're in. Um, but that's if they lost the last three, and I mean, there's a lot that could happen there, right? But I think coming off of a huge victory against New Orleans. Um, they're interesting. I just like I looked at the Seahawks who are further down this list and they're like plus 1100, right? Like 
to me, to me, the difference between the Niners and the Seahawks is not that big of a gap. Yeah, right. Where the, the difference for them is not not anymore. Not after all these injuries. Yeah, especially because I've seen the Seahawks beat the San Francisco 49ers already this year. Look, if you expect the Seahawks or the Vikings to win their division and come out of the wildcard spot, now's the time to grab their values 100%. because they're, they're being valued as if they're playing three road games to get to the Super Bowl. So yeah. if you think one of those teams can come, that's the one. I, that's I, the I still think the Vikings win that division. So uh, that's that's one I'd probably look at if they're a little, more, little riskier, but you're getting a lot better value. We're going to revisit these numbers next week. Uh, this will be a Wednesday feature up until the uh, up until the postseason what's, starts. What's KC's odds? They this... are plus six hundred right now. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 listen, there wasn't a lot like the Baltimore, and then everybody else is kind of like significantly further behind. It's just like I don't think it's going to happen, but like the Patriots could lose to the Bills, and if they get sneaking one other loss in there, all of a sudden like KC could be the two seed, New England could be the five seed, and things can get really weird in the AFC. So that's just. Again, if you want to just project what weirdness can happen, there are some interesting odds out there. Yeah, you could have some fun with uh, what could be uh, definitely with with some of these odds. And we'll, like I said, we'll revisit the top five uh, come next week, and there's a lot that could change in that top five depending on what happens this weekend. All right, the last thing we're going to do here is Thursday night football. As I said earlier, not a great one. Uh, The New York Jets are going on the road to play the Baltimore Ravens, and the Ravens are a 15-point favorite in this game. Uh, deservedly so. They've taken care of business against really good teams and put and covered a 15 point spread. Uh, and the Jets are not a good team, and they're especially not a good team when they go on the road. So uh, I, I'm I'm envisioning a a fantasy football team that has the Baltimore Ravens on their as their starting defense. Going, thank you so much. We cannot wait to play Sam Darnold on the road. Jake, what do you think is going to happen in this one? And do you think the Ravens covered that 15 point spread? Uh, I don't have them covering that spread. I got 27-17. I think Lamar Jackson could cost a lot of people their semifinals uh, this week. I think they're going to win pretty easily. But with his injury and them already locking up the division, knowing they have the tiebreaker on New England, I don't think they're going to take any chances with him in the second half. I don't. I mean, is Mark Andrews going to play? We have an, an update on that at this point. Probably, is he still is, is he probable or questionable? So, I, I think I, that's going to be questionable. I assume. I think they're going to win it pretty easily, but I think they're going to be really, really, really careful with how much they let Lamar run. Uh, what they want to do with this this off? I think they're going to be very vanilla. If the Jets are number two in the NFL and stopping the run. That doesn't really mean a whole lot, but. And Le'Veon Bell is going to be back. I don't know how much that means either. I just I don't I don't think they're going to cover this. I mean, it's, I think the Ravens are going. Okay, look, we're we're at home on Thursday night, but we got to win this game somehow, as vanilla as we can be. And the Jets got nothing to lose, but the Ravens got to be looked at it as let's just get through it and then get everybody healthy to make this run. That's kind of the way I see it. I got I got them twenty seven seventeen. I think they win it pretty easily, but I don't have them covering fifteen. I'm going to take the chances here. I think yeah. they're going to cover this game because I, I think this this is a situation where they can get up four touchdowns in the first half and then RG3 can just be minus 10 in the second half and still be able to cover this game. <laughs> um, I, I just look the, the Jets on the road have been – Darnold's just been a bad quarterback for the most part on the road. He's been turning the ball over a ton. This defense is an awesome matchup in this week. Uh, I, I agree that the, you have to be worried about Lamar Jackson being limited, but odds are like you don't really have – you can't bench Lamar Jackson if you have him right now. You're not going to have a better option, but – do do be aware that this might not be a 35-40 point, you know, matchup winning game for him, even though it looks like on paper it could be because of the injury and because of they're going to get up so much early. 
But yeah, I mean, this is a game where I don't really feel confident starting any Jets. Uh, I understand if you want to start Robbie Anderson as a low end wide receiver three, but I don't feel great about it. Like this is not a great matchup for those guys or Crowder or any of the guys. You probably have to start Le'Veon Bell if you have him, but like I think you might have some better options on your bench. Like I think Le'Veon Bell is a risky running back two uh, in this matchup at best. Uh, so he's not somebody I'm excited about. Mark Ingram is again the guy that. I don't know how many touches he's going to get in this game because they're going to be up big late and it might just be the Gus Bus show in the second half. So you kind of hope – basically you got to hope how much do the Ravens get up in the first half and then when do they take their foot off the gas in this game if you have any of these guys. You don't really have much of a choice. You're not going to have better – I know you're going to have three better running backs than Mark Ingram. You're not going to have a better tight end than Mark Andrews. You're not going to have a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. But their upside might be a little bit more limited than usual in this matchup because of injuries and because it's so late in the season and they should just absolutely kill the Jets. I'm going to take my chances here. This is a team that's beaten teams by five touchdowns just because they feel like it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to take my chance here on this, but I don't bet on games where these spreads get this high. Like I just, yeah, it's 15, too risky. Yeah, 15 is a lot in the NFL. Put it in a teaser with something you're going to do on Sunday. Yeah, put it in a teaser that gives you a, a little bit more cushion because it's it's never uh, 15 points. Although the Ravens, I get it. They've blown the doors off of many teams and covered 15 points against a lot of people. And they probably will, but not uh, your best matchup to, to bet on. There's a lot of good stuff there. Look, they've destroyed everybody they 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 were supposed to, including some really good teams, which the Jets are not. Yeah, they've they've played better of late, and yes, Donald sucked on the road. I just, I, I just, I, I can see like the coaching conversation in there, and Harbaugh being like, "Let's just get through this, but yeah. do not let Lamar get hit on the freaking leg again." This quad injury is a muscular thing, but you're talking about a guy that's lighting up the league, running it, and only really only knows one way to play. And I don't know if they could put the reins on him. Or if they just bench him at halftime because they let him play however he wants in the first half, and then all right, we got ten days and we're going to take him out. So that's the worst case scenario. That's what I envision happening, honestly. And from a fantasy perspective, that's like nightmare fuel because you're like, oh, which means he might throw three touchdowns in the first half, but you're taking away eighty to ninety rushing yards. And to me, that's the biggest outlier in all of fantasy football is quarterback rushing yards. Yeah. They can skew a, a game or numbers for a year, and if you take that away, and he just throws it, and the Jets stop the run pretty well, like I said. I just, I think, I think he's. I mean, he still could have a, a twenty-point game, for sure. But I don't think you're. I don't think you're looking at anywhere near a thirty-five to forty like he's been doing. No, and and like you said, there's a thought process of if you're Harbaugh and you know this team, this is not a game where you need your full set of weapons to take care of business. You should be able to play at seventy-five percent speed and take care of this team. Like that's yeah. that's what you should be able to do. And you got bigger. You got bigger aspirations. This team is this team's looking at one thing and one thing only, and that's a Super Bowl. And you need a healthy Lamar Jackson, and you're not going to risk putting up covering a spread against the New York Jets to make sure that Lamar. You don't care. You beat him by one point, and you move on to the next week. Yeah, and I think what we're trying to say is that there's just inherently more risk in this matchup 100%. than appears on paper. Yes. On a normal yeah. week, you look, oh, okay, this is every you're starting everybody. Everybody's number one at their position. There's just a little bit more risk. Again, there's not much you can do about it, quite frankly. No, I mean, but of course just not. You're not under- benching these guys. Under- if this is Sunday, I'm taking them to cover. But yeah. I don't like that it's a Thursday night with a team. Here's another thing. Why the hell is the NFL playing Thursday night games with no college football other than Army-Navy this weekend? Thank you. Last play Thursday on Saturday. Night. What the hell are you doing to these guys, man? It's the best team in the league. And you're making them play a Thursday night three days? I guess it makes no sense at all to be playing a Thursday night game. No, yeah. it's stupid. Last uh, one of the year, luckily. But yeah, yeah, thank God, because I'm over it. I'm ready for Thursday night football to be done, I, and permanently. I've been I've been pushing that train all season long. So I uh, don't think Roger is listening to me, but I pretend like he is. Uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? 
Yeah, quit playing Thursday night games this freaking late in the season. That pisses me off. I mean, this is this is sets up for the Ravens to lose a key piece. Like say Andrews plays in this game. I think they ought to sit him. And and makes it worse and he's out for three or four weeks or he's out for the year. What do they do then? Can they win the Super Bowl at that point? I, I it just that 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 stuff sucks. Interesting weekend of matchups. I got a lot of like twenty eight, twenty four type scores that I wrote down. So it'll be really interesting with a lot of stuff on the line uh, of what happens. But this one is – and there's a bunch of matchups too, like talking fantasy. The guys that you normally would count on are in weird – are in a lot of weird matchups. Like everybody's talking about if James Conner comes back, you got to play him. He's playing the Bills. They don't give up Jack. How, there, there's, there's better options for you if you really want to get creative and look at it. I think in a lot of these matchups, the guys you've been counting on all year that you may have drafted, if you just do a little research and listen to the show, look at Jamie's column, there's other stuff you can do to win these games. Yeah, and my parting thought is I want to give another wide receiver name that I think is really interesting this week, and that's Alan Hearns. Mm. Uh, Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson are both still in concussion protocol. Not pra- One of them's not practicing. The other one's not practicing with a, con- uh, practicing with a no-contact jersey. Uh, the Giants are the worst team in the NFL against number one wide receivers this year. And even with those guys on the field in the last four weeks, uh, Hearns has been averaging six tar- 6.3 targets per game, four catches, and about 10 fantasy points. He's going to be their number one option. They haven't thrown fewer than 33 times since Fitzpatrick retook over that starting job. They're going to throw it regardless. Yeah. They can't run the ball. Yeah. They literally cannot run the ball no matter how much they try. So that's an option where I know it doesn't look sexy. You know, you don't feel great about playing a guy like Alan Hearns in your lineup, but style points don't matter this time of year. Only actual points. No, oh, that's very good. Very good point on your on your parting thoughts. My parting thoughts are good luck to everybody in your in your fantasy postseason. I know that a lot of people have uh, Baltimore Ravens starting in this game on Thursday night, and if you're in the postseason, you probably don't have a lot of New York Jets. So you're probably 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 moving on. Yeah, hope, probably moving on with with some of these guys, and don't get scared off by our conversation about Lamar and everybody in the Baltimore uniform. It's just you gotta you gotta take those expectations and drop them about twenty five percent, and that way you won't be disappointed. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake Beerans on Twitter. Jamie? You follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.